Nick Kiprios here, and we need to talk New Energy. New Energy is a great-tasting, chewable tablet I carry everywhere. Whether I'm broadcasting a late-night doubleheader or going to an early-morning pickup skate, New Energy is, hands down, my go-to to help promote alertness, wakefulness, and relieve fatigue with only ingredients I love. Look for the orange stick at a retailer near you, or look for my webpage at getnewenergy.com slash Kiprios. That's getneuenergy.com slash Kiprios. This product may not be right for you. Always read and follow the label. What's up, World Hockey Report, with Cody and Adam, recording this one on Sunday night. Got the kid Adam Urban Trout with me as always. Adam, say what's up. How's it going? You know what? Can't complain. It's plus 30 outside. I am sunburnt as a tomato. Or whatever red fruit you want to compare it to. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting week. But all in all, can't complain. How's things in Toontown? Uh, pretty good. Starting to get a little nicer out. But same old, same old. Did you catch? I'm sure you did, actually. Honestly, I mean, why did I ask that? But what's your thoughts on the Raptors, man? They're going to the finals. I know you're you're not a massive basketball guy. But let's be realistic. You follow it more than me. Like... Dude, that's pretty sick, isn't it? Like Kawhi Leonard, he gets traded like the the owner or manager. I don't get how that works, but like he put his job on the line, trading away DeRozan, brings in Kawhi, and now Kawhi's taking him to the finals. That's pretty nuts. Yeah, I mean, obviously I think that's the right move just to, instead of all the first and second round exits that the Raptors had, just trade all those in for a trip to the finals, even if he doesn't stay or goes or whatever it is, I mean whatever but we'll have to see what happens and i think you're kind of the same way like we don't really cheer for any hockey teams i think we more so just watch to watch uh but i think the raptors are probably the number one team that i would cheer for i'd say just because like i don't really care how how most nhl teams do so i think the raptors are probably like the top team i'd actually cheer for yeah that's true i actually i had a little soft spot for portland in the nba you know just because living down south there. They were kind of the closest NBA team. They kind of just seemed like a small market team, right? It's like they always had the underdog story to them. But for the Raps, it's obviously cool. Do you think that Kawhi Leonard's going to stay or what? I'm like 60-40 on it. I don't really... Nobody really seems to know. There's obviously something out every day. But he'd be crazy to give up $50 million and a, a championship team. But it's interesting. He'd make 50 mil if he re-signs? Well, he gets the... It's kind of the same in the NHL. Like, he gets five years with if he re-signs with the Raptors and then only four somewhere else. So, it's either like 190 mil with the Raptors or like 140 mil to go somewhere else. So, that's insane. Wow. What a, what a league, though. I mean, like, those guys are seriously getting paid. When you think about... It's not that the NHLers are, like, super underpaid. But like for professional sports, they're by far the lowest. I'd say on average, do you think, I'd say like probably soccer players are even paid more in the MLS than like your, your average at each other. I'd say that's probably a close comparable. Yeah, I don't really know how much MLS players get paid. But yeah, basketball and baseball are certainly one and two. And then kind of football, like I mean, a lot of depth guys in football, like the the top guys get 20 mil, but... After that, it's not as much, so. Can I say one thing about basketball, though? That last minute of play or two minutes of play 
honestly takes half an hour. It's such a joke. It's the stupidest thing ever. I don't get how you can just intentionally foul someone and the game just stops and they get free points out of it, basically. And then they've got 17 timeouts. It's the stupidest thing ever. How many different plays do they have to drop? Why don't they just have them memorized before so you can call it a number? I, I honestly don't get it. And then, like, you got guys who are, like, getting, like, subbed in and subbed out every single damn whistle, too. Oh, man. Like, it honestly takes forever. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you on that. It's almost... And even yesterday, like, what are they? They're up five and they're getting intentional fouled and stuff. And it's like, okay, the game's over. Just just wrap her up here. Yeah, that's uh, that's my one complaint. But nonetheless, back while we're here. It's World Hockey Report with Cody and Adam. Follow us on Twitter at World Hockey RPT. Tons, tons to talk about. We'll get to our Stanley Cup Finals preview in a little bit here. But first, got to talk Worlds. Canada coming home with a little silver. I did not watch the game today. I was uh, busy busy covering some baseball this afternoon. Another fun summer sport. That's definitely why I'm sunburned. But uh, Team Canada, they come out hot, and they just couldn't pull it out, eh? The Finns were they're, they're just... The Finns seemed like they just had that attitude all tournament where this is their thing. Like, this is what they want to win. This is what they play hockey for. And Canada's on a vacation. Yeah, well, I think both teams are on a vacation now probably. But I watched the game. Um, Canada got the early lead, but it just never seemed like they were going to be able to bury Finland. And obviously they didn't. But as I tweeted out, Finland's... Oh, that was a nice goal. Yeah, Mem Cup. Uh, as I kind of tweeted out, Finland has like 15 guys who are just all the same. Like they look the same, they play the same and they're just all good, honest hockey players. That's what they are. And I mean, for Canada, it seemed like they were there and I mean, they outshot them like 21 to three in the third period, but couldn't get it done. And Matt Murray, I mean, all three goals, I'm guessing he could have had the first one goes five hole, which he was seemed like he was unsuspecting. The second one went over his shoulder, and he was like almost laying flat on his face. And then the third one, it was it was kind of a screen, but it snuck under his arm. So he could have had a better game. Um, I, there wasn't much depth to this team, though. Like I think there's ten or so eighty point guys who couldn't go and or said no about going. But yeah, I don't know. It's good for Finland. I mean, maybe if they played five more times, they might not win. But they got the last two. So and for Finland. Doesn't it seem, I guess it might just be my perspective, but like to like the the country, like their average fans, this means a lot more. Like this means more than anything to them in the hockey world. Honestly, like you could have Tuka Rask, Timu Solani lifting the Stanley Cup and it doesn't even hold a candle to how much the world championships mean to them. Yeah. And as they're saying during the broadcast, there's like five and a half million people in Finland and for the quarterfinal game against Sweden, over 2 million watched it. So I'm doubting even 2 million Canadians watched this morning because it's like, yeah, it's kind of like a secondary tournament or whatever. So, but yeah, I mean, it, it means a ton to, to the country. Now, I, I know you got to point out the awards and stuff, and I'm sure you got the list of winners, but who, who really stuck out at this tournament for you? Who kind of made you say, like, damn, okay, maybe I got a little bit more of an appreciation for them? Well, I said, like, this isn't this more so obvious, but Mark Stone was Canada's best player by a long shot. Like, it wasn't even close how good he was. Um, Kako looked really good, and he didn't play a whole lot towards the end of the tournament, but 
even today he he had a couple shifts where he was just working Darnell Nurse down low and Nurse played pretty good D on him, but they played really well. Um that Antela on Finland, he's like six foot eight and he's just a big horse and he's like thirty some, but he was really good. And then you remember Kirill Kaprizov? Like he was World Junior Russia captain, and I think there's been rumors for four years that he's coming to sign in Minnesota, but he's really good too, so. There's a lot of those KHL guys, though, eh? Like, even like a Gusev and stuff like that. Like, there's, they've got all this potential, they've got all this skill on the world stage, but for, I'm not going to say 50% of it, but let's go with 35, just to be friendly. It just doesn't pan out in the NHL. That, that's why I find the World Championship so confusing to watch. And Ruender, and it goes up by two. Oh, it's, yeah, Halifax was up two rip, and now they're down four two. Um, Stick a fork in them. Yeah, I guess we'll get to the all-star teams. The um, It's weird how it works. So, Vasilevsky's the top goalie. Aronik's the top defenseman. And then Kucherov's the top forward. But then... Mark Stone wins MVP, and Kucherov doesn't even end up on the the first All Star team or whatever it is. So that's uh that's interesting, but I don't know they don't really post it anywhere. Um, yeah, Stone was MVP, which I mean he deserved it. But how do you win MVP and not top forward, and then how do you win top forward but not be on the All Star team? So the All Star team was Mark Stone, Nylander, and Voracek. But Kucherov won best for it. Apparently, they're voted on differently or something like that. But it's a little strange. Yeah, that sounds like a double IHF gong show. And honestly, with how they run most of their things, I'm not too surprised. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, what do you think about like this tournament for Canada though? Because they haven't really had the most. Like, I mean, it's gold or bust when you're the top hockey world. Like, what do you what do you think it is for Canada? You know what? Honestly, it's a win for them just to make it to the gold medal game. Well, they shouldn't have been here in the first place. They they score the 0.4 seconds left, Sasky boy, to get past Switzerland. Like, they, they really shouldn't have been here in the first place. It should have been, I mean, I don't you know. Finland would have ended up playing the Czech Republic or Switzerland most likely. Probably would have ran them over. Capococco probably would have had six points in the finals. So, for Canada, it's a win just to get here. Like, sure, the medal's a freebie. I didn't see the prizes that they gave out, though. You were, you were chirping them. They were pretty funny, or what? Um, well, just I just saw the MVP trophy, and it was like... It honestly just looked like a gl- piece of glass that he just got. Like, it was like a pyramid piece of glass, and <laughs> I don't know what significance it has to Slovakia or the tournament, but that was... Yeah, I mean, Mark Stone got it, and he just kind of was like what's this and he handed it to the bench yeah i feel like that's a lot of those gifts but for for canada i think one of the main takeaways from it is oh man like it's hard to say but like we're really not developing players as good as other countries if we sent our a team of american hockey leaguers to this tournament which is I'm not going to say it's equivalent to like the Finnish top league or the KHL or the Czech top league, but just think about that. If we sent our basically equivalents like pace scale wise, hockey caliber ish wise, we would probably get smoked 
And I think a lot of that has to do with how we develop players, how we run our systems. And yes, some of that does fall on Hockey Canada and their their old boys club, their their whole friend market that they run off of. Because I think it would just be embarrassing if we didn't send our, you know, 1B NHLers. Yeah, and it's kind of weird how it works because you look at the, I believe it was a 2016 World Junior Team, and how many of those guys are on it, like, Sorelli, Joseph, Myers, Strom, Jost went over after the playoffs, and I don't even know if he played a shift today. But, like, you're trying to tell me that Matthew Joseph was the best option to to come here. And, I mean, he's a good player. Sorelli's a good player. But there's better options than these 20-year-olds. And, I mean, Carter Hart and Blackwood, too, they're all former world junior goalies. So, it seems like there's a lot of, and we talked about this, like, at Christmas time too, like, there's just a lot of um, stock put into Hockey Canada, like showing that they've brought these players through and that they, they know the Canadian way, which is kind of a crock of shit in a way. Like, I mean, just because they play there when they're 18 doesn't mean they have to play there at 25, but it seems like that's how they're running it, no matter like kind of how good or bad they are. Hockey Canada's just flashing their own wrench. They're just like, oh, look at all these guys. They played under-18s, Ivan Holenko, World Juniors, now World Championships. Like, we build true players and stuff. Like, no, that's that's not how it works. Just because you pick them to your team doesn't mean you're actually developing the top-end players. Honestly, if you want to look on the depth chart, this, this could have been Canada's 1C team or even 1D. With all the better options out there that didn't come, and I get why guys don't want to go. It's right after, I mean, a long season, 82 games. For a lot of them, it's, it's playoffs also. So, you know, your guys like Marc-Andre Fleury, stuff like that, they're not going to be going to the tournament. But for Canada, it's really just Hockey Canada trying to show off somewhat. But I think realistically, it's kind of just been a failure every year. And it's not like it's getting old to watch because I love, it was so cool seeing Great Britain win that was the best game of the tournament by far that was the most glued to a screen i've been is because those guys actually had something to play for they were i mean they're working their nuts off and it was just an exciting all-around game i get it they don't have the nhl talent there's no capo Kako or nikita kucherov because he loses out in the playoffs every year but like at least those guys had something to play for and they made it interesting made it worthwhile yeah i agree but i think Finland deserves a lot of credit. I mean, we talked about before how the top three teams were clearly like Russia, Sweden, Canada, U.S. And in the quarterfinals, they tied up late and beat Finland in overtime. And then in the they beat Finland in oh, overtime, sorry, eh? beat Sweden in overtime. I mean, yeah, Lankvist had a bad one. tournament, but and then um, on the the semifinals, they beat Russia one nothing, and then in the finals, they beat Canada. So it's not like they had this ho-hum run to the finals and i guess they're champions now exactly yeah you got to give them credit i mean we talked about how canada has the easiest run to the quarters or the finals pardon me at least i did on twitter everyone's like oh they got a reseed well it doesn't matter anyways what i said was still right and canada clearly had the easiest easiest path to the finals and for finland well Kind of just proves that some of those tough games they, they keep you mentally engaged, and to beat a team like Russia one nothing, it's no fluke. Yeah, I mean they they shut him down, and Kevin Lankinen was great in net. I guess he plays on Rockford, and 
9-10 save percentage in the AHL is better than what Carter Hart had when he got called up, so Blackhawks got to be pretty pleased with him. But I think that's enough of that. I mean, the tournament kind of is what it is. Russia basically sent their Olympic team because those guys are at an advantage. I mean, they're on their way home anyways. Canadian guys have to think about if they want to take a eight-hour flight to Slovakia or whatever it is. So, I mean, the the tournament is what it is. I'd like to see it almost come to Canada one of these times, but part of the beauty is that it, they play at 10 a.m. and stuff like that. So, I don't know. It's a neat tournament. It's a spectacle event. I don't know how much Canada would actually support it. I can't see Toronto, Ottawa, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Calgary supporting Great Britain versus Italy. So we'll see if it ever comes here. Not gonna not gonna lose any sleep over it though. But let's talk some NHL. We got one more sleep until the uh game one of the Stanley Cup finals. Boston St. Louis. Let's break it down by position. I think that's the easiest way to go. And we'll we'll start off in the goaltending department. Jordan Bennington versus Tuka Rask. Both goalies have been really fine during playoffs. I'm not going to say that they've been amazing. They haven't been great. They've both been good and good enough to get their teams here. Tuka Rask against Carolina wasn't really tested. Jordan Bennington, his games one through four are a lot different than his games five through seven. Like his numbers through games five through seven, he's got like a 947 save percentage. But for games one through four, he's under 900, I do believe. I'm not going to fact check myself here. Someone else can do that. But what's your thoughts on the goaltending in this series? Yeah, I think that, uh, as you said, Bennington, it seems like in the first four games, he hasn't really played great. But in the clinching games, he's really kind of turned it on. Um, Rask's numbers are amazing, but against the Leafs, he didn't play fantastic. I mean, they didn't really test him in game seven. And then against Columbus, he was pretty good. And then Carolina, he was awesome, but like, as we said a lot of times that the hurricanes magic kind of ran out and you weren't really sure where it's like, yeah, like it's Carolina, like whatever. So he's played well. I mean, if I had to give the edge, I'd give it to Boston just because Rask has played a lot better, like kind of more consistently. And Bennington hasn't really needed to steal a game at all. Like you go back to their game seven against Dallas, they were outshot by 30. And I mean, there's a couple posts hit behind them. So, I'm giving the slight edge to Boston. I don't want to give an edge to anyone. That's the thing is, I feel like this is about as wash of a get or as it gets. Like Bennington is, he's been a heck of a goaltender. So was Rask. But I would honestly say that St. Louis's forwards are a lot closer to Toronto's. And so in that sense, I feel like their offense is going to challenge Boston a lot more than Columbus, Carolina have. I think it's going to be close to that Toronto series. So, hard to take Rask in this. When you think of the goals he gets beat on, you know, a lot of side-to-side, a lot of movement stuff. That's where St. Louis really burnt guys like Martin Jones, Ben Bishop. I don't know. I might just say it's a wash. It's it's so even. It's so hit or miss, honestly. This is one of the best matchups, though, that I am looking for. Like, even more than the defense or forwards. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean... This whole series is a wash. Like, I mean, I'll give you, we'll give our predictions later, but moving on to the defense, um, my edge will go to St. Louis in this, and it's not really any fault of Boston. I mean, 
Krug and McAvoy, Carlo Chara, even like Grizzlick and Clifton, they've all played really well. But I think that Chara's still a little slow. Um, Krug's more of an offensive guy. And I mean, McAvoy and uh, Carlo are probably their two best ones and they're still young. So, but St. Louis, and it's it's been talked about a lot with, uh, what's it, whatchamacallit, uh, with how big their DR and how difficult it was for San Jose and um, in game six there to get through anything. So like you look at Petrangelo, Pareko, Jay Bowmeister, Edmondson, like they all, they all skate pretty well and they all move pretty well. And they're all these big, like burly, almost like farm men. Like, I mean, especially Pareko and Edmondson. So, and then even like they have the small guy Vince Dunn. So I'll give the edge to St. Louis there. What are your thoughts? I agree with St. Louis. And your, your reasoning is very similar to mine. When I think of the St. Louis Blues defense, I think of a mean decor. They were mean. They did not take any passengers, whether they were playing Winnipeg, Dallas, San Jose. They didn't give two shits who you are or what you're doing. You're getting a cross check in the back. You're getting a slash in the back of the legs. Oh, you want to go pick up the puck in the corner? You're going to get drilled into the boards. You're you're not going to want to play against them. They're that mean of a team. And they're big. They're strong. They're just everything you want in a decor. And to think that everyone was trying to chase these guys out of town, it's insane when you watch them play in playoffs. Whereas Boston... Sure, they're good. They might actually have a little bit of an advantage offensively. But when I think of, you know, Grizzly, Krug, McAvoy, even Chara in a sense, I don't think of that mean bullying defense that you're like super scared of. So, yeah, I'm going to give the advantage to St. Louis. Yeah, it's fair there. Um, Forwards wise, I'm saying Boston on this one just because I think they have more top end talent. And I think that they have better depth too. Like the Burrs run past Jack Marshawn line. I think any three of those guys might be St. Louis's best forward. Like they're better than O'Reilly. They're more effective than a Tarasenko or a Shen. So I'm giving that edge to Boston. Even with the way that Krejci, uh, Coyle, Johansson have played and DeBrusque too, especially. I think that like those guys in the playoffs have been, I've kind of stepped up their game and, Coil and DeBrusque, they're big dudes, so they match up pretty good with um, St. Louis. And then St. Louis's forwards are good, but just they're even. And Schwartz and Perron have had great ser- playoffs so far. Like I think Schwartz has more goals than he did in the uh, regular season, but just I think lines three and four on Boston are a little stronger. So I'm giving the edge to Boston. I'll agree with that. I love Boston's skill up front. I love their creativity creativity holy on offense like they're their top line they're their top two lines they're phenomenal they are everything you want in a couple of forward depth lines but that's for 60 minutes i think when the times get tough i do like the grit of st louis's forwards they've just got that heart to score big goals patty maroon coming up clutch a guy like Jaden schwartz all he does is put in clutch goals even that, that Robert Thomas kid or whatever, holy smokes, he's coming out. So there's a little bit that I'm not going to say this is as big of a you know, teeter-totter towards Boston as the defense is to, to St. Louis, but I will give Boston the advantage in this. I think it's pretty clear. You know, you're going to choose guys like Bergeron, Pasternak, Marchand 
over your Ryan O'Reilly's, Tarasenko's, Perron's. Yeah, that's fair. So I guess we pretty much were, were even. I, it's kind of a wash on the goalie. Uh, the defense, It's that's almost our storyline. Let's go with that, that can St. Louis's D kind of box out Boston's forwards and then on the reverse, can Boston's D, like their skillful D, handle St. Louis's big forwards? So they're almost built in a reverse way, kind of. Like, I mean, you look at St. Louis's defense, they got these big, strong guys. Boston has a lot of smaller, skilled forwards, and then Boston's D are kind of smaller, skilled, and then St. Louis's forwards are, are bigger playoff tested. So that's... Who's, who's your game breaker in this series? Who's, who's a guy or two who is really going to make a difference? Oh, man. Um,. For St. Louis, I'm giving it to Stoon Boy Braden Shen. He scored his his first goal of the playoffs there in Game st- Six when he broke his stick. Uh, he's just built for this time of the year. Like you saw it a couple times the Dallas series, he comes out first shift, has four or five hits, and it'll be interesting for sure. Um, so I'm gonna go Shen there, and then on Boston, I'll go Charlie Coyle because he's a hometown boy. I mean mid-season trade and he's been tremendous in Boston I think he's really fit in there so let's go with that dark horse not so much a dark horse but I'll say Marchand on Boston just because he uh I don't really remember much of him in uh 2013 I remember him playing pretty well or what was that 2011 yeah 2011 so that's eight years ago that he would have last played in the Stanley Cup so he'll have to keep his composure he got Williams off his game but Stanley Cup's just a different beast. I'll agree with those. My my dark horse for Boston was going to be Marchand as well. And is he actually going to be able to get underneath the, the St. Louis Blues skin? Is he going to be able to get to Bennington? Is he going to be able to get to their, get to their defense? I don't know. I don't know. I like your pick in Shen. Shout out, Wheaties. What's up, Shenner? Uh, but for for the Blues, a guy I like who doesn't get enough credit, he doesn't play a massive role is Pat Maroon. Man, I mean, when, when he's chugging along there, he's generating chances. When he's in the offensive zone, there there's always a chance for something. You just never know. He's he's not afraid to get in front of the goalie. He's not afraid to score those greasy goals, whereas a guy like Tarasenko, you don't, you don't really see him tipping a puck in front of the net or chipping in a loose rebound, whereas the Stanley Cup Finals, man, we all know pretty goals aren't easy to come from. Like, they're few and far between. Yeah, that's a good point. I'll probably be played in the crease for the most part of these games. And you look at Boston, they're not really the big bad Bruins of the past, but there still is that mentality and they still have some bruisers on their team. Like David Backus is going to be all sorts of jacked up. I don't know how much speed that's going to give him against uh, against his former team, but it's all sorts of jacked up. Bozak, a veteran who's who's played a long time. And then, as you said, Maroon too, so... I mean, it'll be a tight series. You want to give the predictions? Jeez, if you're going to toss it on me, I guess I will. And I've been, I've probably been losing sleep over this, thinking about what I'm going to say on the podcast. Like all week, I'm like, oh my goodness, is this going six or seven? Like, can the Blues do it on home ice? Or if it goes to game seven, is it just going to be all Bruins? That's really tough to think about it. And it's so hard to actually like predict the series, right? Because like games one and two in Boston, is it, are the Blues going to be able to split? Even if they don't split, can they take two of their own at home? So there, there's so many scenarios that are going through my mind. But all in all, I got to say we've been riding this. Well, I've been riding this whole Bennington for Calder train. So I got to go with the Blues in seven here. I just think 
there's something about this season he's having. If he can get this done, this is going to be the best single season performance by a goaltender of all time. Put that one in stone. There you go. Um, yeah, I'm I'm expecting like a really tight series, probably the tightest we've seen in a little bit, just because last year with Washington and Vegas, it it just seemed like uh like Washington, it was just their time. Like they lost the first game, but then dominated the next four. So. That's a good point. Um, I'll give you a breakdown of the games. The first two, I'll say split. Games three and four, I'll say split. So that's 2-2. Two, two. And then I'll go home team wins five, home team wins six, home team wins seven. So I got the Bruins in seven games. Wow. Okay, okay. I see. I see you're going against me here for game seven. I've put some money on the line or something for that one. Wow, that guy just got dumped into the bench in Halifax, in your hometown, in the Mem Cup Finals. That's embarrassing. So, so Bruins in seven a. What's what's gonna be the score then? I guess give me give me your game seven score. Oh wow, we're doing this too. Um, we gotta go all in. I'll say three two Bruins. Are we gonna get game seven overtime? I'd like to see it. I mean, that's everybody's game seven triple overtime. That's everybody's dream. Yeah, that would be crazy. I just don't see games going to triple overtime anymore with how good these forwards are. It's nuts. They're so good. Guys can shoot so well. Everyone can handle the puck like a wizard. It's just insane. So what's your score? Oh, I guess I got to give one too, eh? Um, 2-1 Blues. No overtime. Bennington shuts the door. I'm going to say 35 saves for him. That's how in-depth I'm getting with this one. All right. There you go. Cool. Um, I guess, well, if you're going to get tickets for that, of course, you know, hit up SeatGeek. Download the app on your phone. Use our promo code, WorldHockeyReport, all caps, no spaces. Save yourself 20 bucks on your ticket purchase. Not sure it's going to do much of a dent if you're going to the Stanley Cup Finals or the NBA Finals, but I'm sure you can slide into some slimy baseball game or preseason football, whatever you want to get with SeatGeek. Use our promo code WorldHockeyReport. All caps, no spaces. Save yourself 20 bucks. Bang. Mem Cup. Mem Cup, Adam. I see they got it out, and it's going to Ruen Nuren. Did I say that right? Ruen Naranda. Ruen Naranda. Oh, my goodness. I'm never moving to Quebec. That's the last place I'll live. But, uh, yes, I mean, they got Noah Dobson. Back That's pretty back, much the... back-to-back champs for him. Oh, it is too, eh? Yeah, he was on Acadie Bathurst last year, and then of course they went all in. So I think they, I think they won like six games or something when he got traded around World Junior time. So he's probably going to win a second straight. Uh, Bruins prospect Jacob Blocko had eight points on the tournament. He was really good. Uh, Wait, who's got who's got Dobson? The Islanders, because they had those those two picks last year where they took uh, Oliver Wallstrom and Dobson. One one of them was a Flames pick, so that's pretty ah, nice for them. That's nice. That's a nice. That's nice additions there, because Wallstrom's going to be a stud. He's literally got power play machine written all over him. And Dobson, boy, he can skate. He can rush the puck, and he's got size too. Yeah, I'd say both those guys are kind of dark horses to to play there. Hundred percent. Yeah, next year, make they it. are good. Halifax, so I was kind of shocked. I mean, they jump out to an early lead, and every time I'm thinking, I'm like, "Okay, home team's gonna win it. Not a problem." This Boom, is the second straight year the host has lost on home ice. 
Really? Who was it Regina. last year? All right. Oh, they kind of sucked though. They lost out like first round of playoffs. Yeah, at least they I, didn't even have a goaltender. At least this year they like Halifax took this team to six games anyway, so it's not like it really like it was like really like oh should the hosts automatically get in and shit like that. So I mean, good for good for them, but blowing a two goal lead in the second period is probably not it. Um, it's weird though because goaltending this year was way down. Like the four goalies in the tournament, save percentage: Halifax goalie Alex Gravel. 929, Welkoli Anthony Popovich, 896, Ryan Naranda goalie Samuel Harvey, 882, and Prince Albert goalie Ian Scott, 860. Have fun, Leafs. Yeah, like, what do you what do you think that is? I mean, you're a goalie guy, or use the term loosely, I guess, but it's, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, they're 18 and 19-year-old kids who are playing on a big stage in front of a national audience. So do you think it's a goaltending or the skill of the forwards? I think a lot of this comes down to this is the biggest stage where three of the four most likely will ever play. I arguably give me your thoughts. This is up there with the Calder cup. Is this, is this bigger than the Calder cup? Yeah. Cause nobody really wants to win, like cares to win the Calder cup. I'd say like it, cause nobody wants to be in the AHL. Like, See, there you go. Here, so I'd say I'd say for three of the four, this is that's my point too. Is no one dreams of uh, winning the Calder Cup or whatever that East Coast tournament is or finals? I don't even is it Kelly Cup? No, on the coast, something like yeah. that. Something like that. It's like no one dreams of winning that. Whereas like the Mem Cup, like as a kid, you're like, yeah, like freaking right. That's where I want to be when I'm seventeen to twenty. So it's 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 one of the biggest stages where arguably all four will ever play in their careers for a championship. So, and I do think, okay, the skills obviously gotten better. The players are obviously way better, but so have the goaltenders. So let's, let's not discredit the extra training, the improved gear, all of that stuff that goes into it as attendee. And I just honestly think that most of the time, it's not the best goalies that make it to this tournament. It's the best teams in front of them. How many shots per game do you think Ian Scott actually faced this season? Honestly, 20, and he shut out like Swift Current like four times or something, like three times in a row. There you go. If you're not tested during the regular season, how are you supposed to be ready for games like this? How like Even Vancouver didn't test Ian Scott that much. Let's be realistic. When Vancouver was winning, it's because Scott was just not up to the task at all. So I think a lot of it has to do with Good teams up front can win you championships in juniors, and you don't need that amazing goaltender. So that that's my opinion, at least. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, we'll we'll end on this, and we're both Western Hockey League guys. We follow that more than the OHL or Q. So since um, Kelowna lost in the final, I believe it was twenty. 15 or 16, they lost in overtime of the final with Dry Settle and Josh Morrissey. The Western Hockey League's on a 0 for 13 streak, so they lose that game. Or no, it's 0 for 10? Something like that. So they lose that game. Seattle goes 0 for 3. Um, Swift Current goes 0 for 3. And now Prince Albert goes 0 for 3. All in, in that span. The dubs water down. We've said it before. Dude, when we went to, to watch that one game... Over the winter, who I don't even know, it might have been Edmonton, Edmonton Calgary. Calgary. Okay, we we talked about it, and I mean, 
we'll both, you know, I don't want to rip on kids because I was in their same shoes, right? You know, guys work hard to get up to that WHL level, but the dub's watered down. There's guys in the dub who should not be there. That league is, it's floating. It's, it's honestly a league where now a guy like Brett Leeson can go and win you 20 games by himself because other teams just aren't up there. So yes, it's good hockey. It's obviously great. I don't watch enough of the OHL or QMJHL to know how their teams look, but it's watered down. The WHL is, it's too spread out. There's too many teams that aren't even competitive. There's too many players that are better suited off for Junior A. And I guarantee you, if you cut down five teams in the Western League, your product on the ice is going to be so much better, so much more high pace. Yeah, it's tough for PA. They go seven-game series over time. Like, they get five days of rest, which, I mean, part of it is they have to travel across the country. But let's not make any excuses here. All these other teams play seven-game series. They aren't playing little one-and-dones. So... That's where I think it comes down to is the WHL just not the it's not good enough anymore. Yeah, I mean it's hard to say since we don't watch like O and Q games, but you look at the dub this year and PA wins and they don't even load up for anyone and I don't know if they're gonna regret it because they they won their their league, but they didn't really go out and get anyone. You look at Ray and Miranda, they go out and get a Noah Dobson, you look at Guelph, they go and get Sean Dersey and Nick Suzuki. So it seems like, especially this year in the dub, that there is no team like loading up because it was pretty wide open. Like last year, you look at it, and it was Regina, Swift, Mooshaw. Like pick your poison, one of those teams was winning the league, right? So there's that. I mean, the way it worked out this year for PA was kind of strange how. I guess they did go to overtime in Game 7, then have to go across three time zones and play in the first game, which didn't make much sense because they looked bad in it. So there's that. But, I mean, a team like Regina, they hosted and and they get to the final, and I think they lost by one goal in a close game. And then a team like uh, Red Deer, they they hosted and they do pretty well there. So, I mean, it's – I don't know. I don't want to say anything bad about it, but – it's weird how it happens, how, like, you just go 0 for 12, and, I mean, that Seattle Thunderbirds team had Matt Barzell, and they went 0 for 12, or they, they didn't win a game. Host teams are a totally different story. Also, Ruan Durand is chucking knucks now, so that's, uh, I love the art sale at the end of games. That's always the best. But, okay, for the dub, is I, I think we're focusing a little bit too much on these top-end teams. Is, obviously, they're good enough to get to the Mem Cup, but think about a lot of the the extra spread out talent, if you cut five teams from the league, is there really a need for a Winnipeg ice? I don't know. You tell me. Is there... I mean, you don't want to rip on these small market teams. And Prince George. I'm not going to say it. You did. So, uh, you know, is, is there a need for these teams? Or if they cut them, is that talent just going to improve the league as a whole to a, to a point where the actual elite teams in the league are going to be that good where they'll have multiple stud NHL prospects on a team that's going to the Mem Cup that doesn't have to maybe adds a piece or two at the deadline. Whereas, as you said, PA didn't have to do jack. They literally just stood there 
didn't make a single trade. Well, they might have. I don't know. But they didn't do anything big. And they swapped 20-year-olds, and that was about it. Yeah, I don't think what's... Uh, is that Hanoon or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, okay. He's not moving the needle for uh, anyone to win a Western Hockey League championship. But that's my take on it. I still think... I think a lot of hockey's watered down. Honestly... There's no need to have 25 midget AAA teams in Alberta. There's no need to have 22 junior A teams. You know, it's stuff like that where I get it. There's a little bit of a business side to it. And if teams are going to make money, if they do, then go for it, sure. But it's obviously hurting the quality of play because there's not enough elite level talent out there now. Yeah, that's that's fair there. Um, Yeah, you pretty much said it. Okay. Let's wrap it up then. That was a good one. I think we got uh, covered a lot. I mean, those NHL picks definitely holds us accountable. I'm sure we'll be uh, tweeting out some stuff as it gets closer to game time, you know, when things start breaking. Maybe a couple of lineup changes. I know there's guys that are battling injury this time of year. It's always crazy to see what hockey guys are going through during playoffs. Gotta love seeing uh, all that drive determination. You don't get that in the NBA Finals, but probably will. Probably will be watching the NBA Finals. That is that starts in Toronto, doesn't it? Starts in Toronto, yeah. Wow. Thursday. That's crazy. Wanna fly out to Toronto or what? Yeah, I don't I don't know if you have like a spare like twenty grand just laying around for a ticket. Yeah, we'll ask our boy Drizzy or something. JK, I'm getting my four wisdom teeth taken out on Thursday, so that'll be fun. We'll see if I'm on the IR for the podcast on Sunday, but we'll we'll get it figured out. We'll get it done for for everyone. Yep, there you go. Shout out to everyone listening. Follow us on Twitter at World Hockey RPT. Adam, let's get out of here. Have a good week.